Leading Matters with Joel Caparelli. All right, really glad you're here. If it's your first time here, you picked a great episode to catch up or to be introduced to Leading Matters. If you're a return visitor, well, you're going to gain as much value, if not more, out of this episode than you have from all the previous episodes. Because today I'm talking with Art Pappas. He is the CEO of Bullhorn. Bullhorn, uh, and I'll get into the, the uh, introduction of Art and his company in a little bit more detail in a moment, but they basically have a uh, CRM software solution that is different than many others in the market. It, it places centric the nature and the natural communication between our prospective customers, our current customers, in not only the sales cycle, but over the course of the life of that customer um, that, you know, that we have the privilege to serve. And, you know, it's a great transformation story. Art and his company had some very tremendous growth. Uh, they lost their way a little bit as far as what their mission and values were. And, and Art took a really bold step. You know, he completely and radically transformed the mission of the company. And it had such an impact on the culture of the organization, the way they define their values, the way they acquired talent, and all of it oriented towards creating an incredible customer experience. And he successfully injected that idea and that purpose into every role within the company. He set his leaders off on a course to go make this vision a reality, and they responded uh, very dramatically after, you know, versed a little bit wringing of hands to get started because it was something very radical and new. He led his team to embrace this new vision, embrace these values, and to actually make it a reality. Look, I think that you are going to really enjoy the episode, and if you're looking for some kind of action to take away from this, I think it lies in the way that you're articulating the purpose of what you're all about. Okay, so we talk about mission values here quite a bit, and there's obviously you know mission statements and, and things like that, and those are, are certainly important, but can we articulate it at the most simplest level across and up and down the organization? And so take a survey of your of your folks, whether you're a five-person uh, shop or whether you're 5,000. Know, get out, take a survey, some kind of communication mechanism that helps you understand what your people believe their purpose and mission are. You might be surprised what it is. It might not even align with where you're headed as an organization. It might challenge you to make a dramatic change in how you're leading your team, how you're leading your group, how you're leading your company. So that is what's packed into these next 25 minutes. I guarantee you're going to love it. If you do love it, as I always ask, share it with somebody else. Get the word out about Leading Matters because there's such great leadership insight in these interviews that I am happy to bring them to you, and I really want you to share them as broadly and widely as you can. So with no further ado, my interview with CEO of Bullhorn, Art Pappas. All right. Good morning or afternoon, whenever you choose to be listening to Leading Matters. Uh, today, you're going to be hearing Art Pappas. He is the co-founder and CEO at Bullhorn. And I, I tell you what, if you don't know who Bullhorn is, you owe it to yourself to check them out. They are uh, What they've done is they've developed a really new kind of CRM that's completely designed for the way that a business actually flows and the way that people actually work and the way that prospects actually want to be communicated with. So uh, they specialize in service-based industries such as staffing, recruiting, PR, marketing. And the uh, again, I've seen the software and have been fortunate enough to get a little behind the scenes on how it works. And it really again, keeps the relationship first and foremost, and some other companies give that lip service, but I think Bullhorn's actually pulling it off. So first things first, Art, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule. Mm, thanks, Joel. That's appreciate that. 
Yeah, no problem. So listen, I want to jump right into it because you and I met, well, actually virtually met at your Engage conference in June that you hold every year in Boston area. And I was I was really moved by your story about how, you know, you, you gave a little bit of background about what pushed you as the CEO of Bullhorn to take a hard look at what your mission was and to transform that mission into something that was more purposeful and meaningful to not only your employees but your your client base can you kind of just give us a condensed version of that because i think it's something that you know my listeners would absolutely be interested in hearing yeah happy to so uh bullhorn started back uh 1999 i was the the founder and we got our start as most companies do being really customer focused um and we were we were as we as we came across each new customer, it was like each customer was gold, and we we treated them incredibly well and were incredibly responsive. And we didn't really have to have a mission statement because we knew that if we didn't make our customers happy, we wouldn't survive. And so the the company got its early momentum by being hyper focused on customer success and the customer experience. So as we grew and we went from, you know, one employee to 10 employees to 50, and we, we experienced really rapid growth, uh, we, we slowly got away from that. And, you know, at one point, um, you know, we were growing so quickly and the market was rewarding us. You know, we had a great technology solution. You know, we had good marketing, good salespeople, and good people in general working for us. And, and you know, I think I think that that helped propel us ahead. We were still focused on the customer, but we got to this point where um, I think we started to, to to sort of believe our own press. And uh, the the mission of the company, actually, it was sort of a wordy mission, uh, got shortened to it was you know it was to power the desk of every staffing and recruiting professional worldwide. This was back years ago. But it was too wordy, and so people condensed it down to they remembered the worldwide bit, and so they said, "Yeah, global domination." And so people would joke that our mission was global domination. <laughs> sure. And you know, we went from 50 people to 150 in two years, and uh, you know, we had all this, all this external validation, Inc. 5000, Ernst and Young, Entrepreneur of the Year, all these awards, and. Um, you know, and, and people would go around the hall saying global domination was was our mission, <laughs> and uh, it, and it actually got to a point where I saw it on PowerPoint decks, and you know, it sort of got in the groundwater, um, and that actually became poisonous to the to the culture of the company, believe it or not, because we had we had completely lost focus on the customer, which is sort of what I what, what I talked about at uh, at Engage. So, um, you, know, you know, of course, that that led to uh, a real epiphany for me um, as we started to get feedback from our customers that they were frustrated and no longer getting the sort of high-level, high-touch experience that they wanted. And, in fact, competition was starting to give them the feeling that, you know, maybe Maybe there was the grass was greener, and I got a call. I remember I'll never forget this. I got a call from my first customer, this woman Leslie McIntyre, who I had painstakingly sort of worked over you know 
the first year of, of the business to make make Leslie happy. And Leslie probably had done over 200 reference calls for us, you know, wow. over the decade she had been with us. Wow. And she calls me, uh, this is two years ago, and says, hey, Art, uh, we're going to leave. It's time to go with another provider. Um, just feel like bullhorn customer experience isn't great. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere else. And because there's, there's some other competitors that are young and they're more spry startups. You guys are a big company now. They really care about me as a customer. And that was sort of the, that was the wake up call for me. It was like, okay, I have to, I have to change. I have to do something because my business is, is in jeopardy. And then when we looked at our, our customer sat metrics, they had like, really gone downhill. So we had gone from like really high net promoter score, really high customer satisfaction to uh, abysmal, uh, like really bad scores. And um, and so that was the wake-up call. And I, I knew I had to start with the company mission uh, if I wanted to fix it. So, uh, <clears throat> so what I did was uh, – I changed the company's mission to uh, to something that that was sort of um, at the time most people laughed at, <laughs> at at the mission when I came up with it. I said it should be uh, our mission should be to create an incredible customer experience, and not only to do that for our own customers, but to help our customers create an incredible customer experience. And uh, people laughed. They were like. You, we're, aren't we the global domination company? I mean, you know, <laughs> sure. that's really nice art, but we're a big company and we have, you know, hundreds of employees and, you know, that sort of seems uh, nostalgic. Like you want to go back to what we used to be and you can't go back. And big companies aren't intimate with customers. It's the very nature of big companies. And so, uh, so I decided to ignore uh, the naysayers. And uh, I changed all the goals for the organization, um, revenue goals, uh, productivity goals, profitability goals. I threw them all away, and I handed my leaders a bunch of goals that revolved around getting our net promoter score to go up, getting our CSAT to go up, and uh, and um, creating a a reversal in the trend in, in the data and around all around customer health and customer happiness. And, well, um, well, I'm you know because I was going to ask you about measurement, right? Because uh, I think it um, Tim Ferriss, the Four Hour Work Week uh, fame guy, talks about if you can't me- measure it, it can't be managed. And and I love that you connect that dot right out of the gate here. Is that listen, this is going to be a huge cultural and mission shift for us. And you had some pushback as far as are we going to nostalgia land or, or whatnot. But then immediately you're identifying, you discuss this at Engage too, you're identifying, hey, here's the things that we're going to focus on that will, you know, prove that we're managing it in the right direction. I mean, is that a conscious decision to say, hey, if we can't measure this, then this change really will just be a bunch of words? That's right. It, it's exactly right. I mean, the the if you can't, if you can't, if you give people, uh, okay, here's your mission. It's like giving somebody a mission and saying, okay, you're going to go, um, you know, you've got to go take that hill. But, uh, however, I'm going to measure you on, uh, you know, how, how well you do something else. Um, they're going to focus on the thing that they're measured on and, mm-hmm. as opposed to the thing you said you wanted them to do. Um, and so, I felt there was dissonance between 
you need to hit a revenue and a profitability goal or a sales goal and make customers happy. Um, not that they're in conflict. Uh, they can be related. However, um, I felt I was telling people to go sign up new business at the, and they were going to sacrifice existing customer health uh, as a result. And so I said 100% of the focus is going to be on existing customer health, and I'm not going to worry about sales. Sales will take care of itself, um, well, which, yeah, so go ahead. Well, no, that's, you know, one of the questions I had in, in pre preparing for this is that, hey, this kind of change. Look, the, I, this, I call the show Leading Matters, right, and it's all about the nuances, but also the specifics of leadership, right? This kind of change can be scary. I mean, again, if you're at the helm and you're making the change, you're making this bold proclamation that, listen, we're going to, you know, identify the reality that bad revenue can potentially hurt who we are and our culture, and then eventually our churn rate goes up and our customer satisfaction goes down. Therefore, we're going to focus on the latter. Uh, but you know that that I guess so. I guess the question is, as a leader, what what are the tangible things that we need to do when we're confronted with a very hard choice that could be filled with a lot of uncertainty and fear? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the essence of leadership, right? Like to just say, okay. Um, you know, I have to make a decision that could be a unpopular, b uh, terrifying. I mean, these are the these are the moments in which leaders distinguish themselves, right? And and you know, it's too easy to go along with the status quo or or sort of the the conventional wisdom. Um, it just it, that's what everybody does, and I, I think that if you can if you can muster the courage to say, okay, I believe that what the company needs is this. I don't know for sure because nobody has a crystal ball, but I, I believe that if we focus on, say, the customer experience at, and we don't focus on something else, so that, that's the hard part of leadership is making the trade-offs, right? It's like when you sit there and you say, I want to focus on I want to focus on small business and big business. I want to focus on you know, consumers and B2B. You can't really focus on two things at once. That's how you go cross-eyed. So you have to focus on, on you know, one thing is most important at any given time. And so I think the sort of the tyranny of, of choice is what, you know, and the focus is, is what prevents leaders from, from truly achieving something great. And so, you know, that's the, that's the, uh, the I, I think it's sort of the, the thing that, that differentiates. Um, but it's so, hard as hell. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right. I guess that's an understatement, right? I mean, because that you know, you're talking about. Uh, I speak with uh, some smaller businesses sometimes, and if you're at a ten to twenty person firm with you know ten to twenty uh, customers, it's a little bit you be more nimble, right? It's a little easier to rapidly kind of change path. But the company of your size, with the number of your clients, you know, I'm sure it's uh, it's much more difficult to. To, to change course and to pivot when you need to. So how does that manifest itself beneath the CEO? In other words, what kind of tangible things uh, did your direct reports, your leadership team do to, to kind of take this mission and the metrics and make them concrete into the actionable activity of the workforce in day-to-day? Yeah, so it once the goals were clear, it was pretty simple. Um, it was remarkably uh, simple. The first thing was um, one of my leaders took the customer feedback 
poured through it and said, okay, if I'm going to be held accountable for moving the needle on this, uh, I need to figure out what the customers want. It really sounds like it almost sounds uh, like just like it should be in like, uh, you know, customer experience for dummies or something like that. So <laughs> sure. figure out what the customer want and find a way to give it to them, right? Like <laughs> that's like really basic, but, yeah, but yeah. Um, what he did was he realized they were, they had a lot of negative feedback about certain aspects of the software um, and certain things that we were doing and certain decisions we had made. And he said, okay, I have to fix this. And he, he went and fixed it. And he rallied his team and said, this is all that matters this year is fixing this. And uh, it was a big task. It, it took a lot of effort, um, and it took a you know team of about you know seventy five engineers working for six months straight. But he got it done, and the team got it done. And um, when he did, the customers' reaction was was uh, unbelievable. Um, people were really effusive, and we capitalized on that customer feedback to show the team, um, one, the, this particular team listened and they got the importance of the goal and look at the results. And I think until we hit that moment where we highlighted the, the early success um, of the initiative, uh, I think people were still highly skeptical. But once we started showing people the voice of the customer internally, like, here's what customers sound like when you give them a great experience. It gave them a sort of a guidepost. Like, okay, if that's what Art expects me to do, if that's what the business needs, to, to that that's the sort of customer feedback we need to elicit, then I know what success looks like. And it seems like somebody did focus on it and they're being rewarded. I want to do that too. And so we we actually then started every town hall meeting we would take uh, individual employees who had done something great to elicit a, a great response from a customer, and we would highlight them as the hero. Um, so we started with tech support. That was the easiest because, you know, people in customer service get a lot of customer feedback, uh, and we, we, we would put somebody's picture up at a town hall meeting, talk about how great they were, talk about the wonderful experience that the customer had, and talk about how this is what I want all of you to do. So we started with just customer service folks, but it quickly moved on to we started recognizing software engineers, we started recognizing uh, uh, folks in, in uh, finance and billing, and it had a really unbelievable um, virtuous cycle effect where People would see their peer up on uh, the big screen in in lights, you know, and, and as like almost like a celebrity. And the CEO is talking about how great they are and what wonderful work they did to elicit a positive response from a customer. And everybody said to themselves, "I want to, I want to be up there next week, you know, or next, sorry, next month." Um, that that was really that was that I think had a big big effect in, in turning turning uh, the whole organization to focus on the goals. That's I love that description, you know, because what I love about it is that from the very top and the, the vision of 
making an incredible customer experience all the way down to the frontline tech support guy or gal who's actually making that difference. The connectivity there is, is really dramatic. And one of the things you were talking about there, you know, you changed the, uh, the nature and the tone of your annual conference to, you know, you call it engaged now, and it's all about workforce engagement. Having been there, I could tell you that it was, and, you know, I'm not just blowing smoke here, I think one of the, the better conferences I've been at because it wasn't, or even though you certainly demonstrated your software and connected the software value to what your audience cares about, it was done in a way that made these types of concrete connectivity from strategy down to tactics really tangible. And, and I guess the question here is that, is, is, is employee engagement and the whole idea of engagement and making it something that's accessible part of that evolved mission and, and, and something that you purposely are setting out to do now? Yes. Yeah, that's, um, that's a definitely a, a secret, uh, secret weapon of mine uh, that is near and dear to my heart. Um, the, and, I, and I did talk about it quite a bit at Engage because it um it was sort of a byproduct of realizing the effect of of you know putting these employees up on the on a pedestal at the town hall meetings and um what i saw happen was you know you give people this praise publicly in a in a memorable way and um then people would come up to me afterwards and say you don't understand what that meant to me or you don't understand what what that meant to my employee um and uh it was really it was a it was sort of a an epiphany for me that you know people don't work at a company just because they want a paycheck they they work because they want to be recognized they work because they want to be promoted they work because you know they they want to be appreciated and be part of something bigger and feel like they're accomplishing yeah. something yeah. and um so i realized that i had to i had to make um the 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 incredible customer experience had to extend to the employees in some meaningful way as well and so the way i tied it together was i said that if we deliver an incredible customer experience we will uh experience customer growth and when that happens there will be career growth because when you go from 10 customers to 100 you need managers, you need to hire new employees, those employees need leaders, uh, people move around from department to department, which, and once you create career growth, that's what people value as, as part of making a great culture. People ask, like, you know, how do you engage employees and, you know, how do you create a great culture? You can, you can certainly ply them with perks, um, which shows them you care, um, but I think that if you want to create a great culture, you have to recognize people who do something great and you have to, you have to provide them career growth. And, um, if you do those two things, people will rave about their experience working at your company, um, because they'll feel that they, they can see their own progress and they can measure it and they feel appreciated and they feel they're part of something. Um, and that, and that leads you to attract great talent, which helps you uh, to build great products and services, which then helps you grow. Which so you create this circle, and I, I call it the uh, the circle of incredible customer experience, and how it relates back to the employees. It's it's a very um, powerful cycle that we've we've now put the company into. Which you know, and, and if you look at our Glassdoor ratings in 2013, we were a 3.2 on Glassdoor, which is you know the website we're 
employer yeah. employees yeah. can rate their employer sure. um, sort of like Yelp for for uh, for jobs. Um, we went from a 3.2 on Glassdoor to a, now we're a 4.5 um, in relatively short period of time, and and uh, that's to me that's sort of the ultimate measure of we're we're doing something right, where the employees are just super excited to come to work, and you know they see a huge bright future um, ahead of them at Bullhorn. Well, you know what? It's funny. I was going to ask you exactly about talent acquisition, and I love this whole notion of this being a circular, you know, a circular kind of uh, customer experience process, which inherently benefits the business, right? So let me just ask you one more question, just focused in on talent acquisition, because I, w I was, you know, I, I come out of software most of my career, and I did product marketing, so I was really impressed when you showed your new features that were going to be released into your into your uh, user base and the story you told around each of those features and. It might be lost on the average, you know, audience member, right? Because they haven't done that that sort of work. But telling that story and making sure the features align with the value that you're trying to nail for your customer base, it's not an easy task. It could be tedious. You know, there's a lot of uh, development trade-offs that have to be prioritized and made, and it requires great talent. And oh, by the way, especially from the perspective. Uh, from which you're coming from, it requires talent that get the purpose and the mission. So has has that challenge in, impacted the way that your talent acquisition process uh, flows? And, and if so, how? Um, so, you know, our talent acquisition has been, uh, you know, has been largely driven originally by, you know, sort of the traditional methods. Um, you know, the focus on, you know, Glassdoor certainly plays a big role in, in helping us uh, attract talent now. Um, but I think the focus on, you know, sort of the, the, cut, the employee engagement has definitely changed the, the uh, you know, the whole process. When, when people are interviewing for a job and the people they're interviewing with are excited about their own careers, uh, it just sort of has a natural effect of creating a magnet. Um, and, you know, and people can tell when it's the opposite, you know, when they're interviewing at a company that's, you know, it, it used to be good or it's okay, it's not great, um, you know, that's going to come through and your people, your, your employees are really the, the salespeople for your culture and, and your company. Uh, and, you know, if people don't have many options and you're offering them a job, okay, they'll take it. Um, but if they do have options and you're you're really delivering a compelling message through your employees about, hey, let me tell you about my career here and it's been great and the company's great and the culture's great and I love working here and I've been promoted three times and that you're just you're gonna win every time uh, over the, the the next job offer uh, if you have that and the others don't. And so I think it's um, it, you get more applicants, but you also have a much higher hit rate when when people do interview. Um, and so that's that's been and and it's just easier. It's just easier to tell somebody, you know, you want to join a company where your career can go to the next level quickly. This is it, um, and that's that. It's just a compelling proposition. Now listen, I think that's uh, it's edifying. I think it's uh, what I like about the. Well, first of all, I'm I'm so thrilled to have you give me some time to to tell this story because I think it's such a valuable 
uh, case study in uh, you know facing some of the things that aren't working, and then really you know uh, what we're focused on here is is hey creating some purpose, clear mission that people can feel um, you know connects with their purpose and what they want to gain, and that good things happen from a good culture. So uh, I appreciate that art. I really enjoy the example. I'm glad you've given me the time to share it with some others. So listen, I'm going to wrap it up at this point. We've been speaking with Art Pappas. He again is the co-founder and CEO of Bullhorn. And if you don't know them, I would really encourage you to go check them out because everything you've just heard from Art is manifest in the way these solutions work. Uh, their CRM is they they say it's designed for the way people work, and I could tell you from firsthand experience, having seen it demonstrated and talk to some folks that use it that it absolutely puts the relationship first which is important that's what it's all about the customer relationship management and not the revenue uh, manager uh, like some other solutions that are out there so Art thanks you so much for giving me some time today and and I just uh, you know that's all I really can say is thank you so much for the time and thank you it's a pleasure